On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been, demon, who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see 
who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years old. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. He went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simeon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. This is the reading of God's word. Good morning. Yes, my name is Emmanuel. I do go by many. So if we're wondering who's this Emmanuel, if you're able to affirm with me, um, that, uh, I rely on, on the word of the Lord. All flesh is like grass, and all is growing like the flower of the grass. The grass wither and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And so, so this morning I have the privilege of bringing the word of God um, to you. And uh, this is an exciting passage. Just as lengthy as the reading was, right? So expect the sermon to be just as lengthy. All right. So just preparing you. No, it's going to be edifying, and I trust that it will be edifying. Please join me in prayer. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, um, for who you are, that you demonstrate your power over the brokenness in this world. And I just pray, Father God, that you will demonstrate your power to us, that you have the power over everything as we have seen in your word. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be moving in our presence and cause us to change, to grow, and to trust more in you. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I ask. Amen. Um, so one of the things that I started doing with Zion, Zion is my son. Uh, anytime that we were, I'm changing him, I usually, once I finish changing his diaper, I stand him up, and I tell him, jump. When we first started, he was very hesitant. He was very hesitant. He would take a few steps. He's like, nah, you ain't going to catch us. I said, nah, I got you. Jump. I got you. Jump. And then he would jump. Then he would jump. To the point that now I don't even have to ask him. The moment that I stand him up, he right away jumps to daddy, right? Because he knows that daddy um, is going to catch him. And so what we see in my son, as he, at first, there's fear. There's a hesitation. There's fear in his heart. He's not sure that daddy's able to hold him. He's not sure that daddy's able to uh, sustain him. But then the more he sees that I'm able to sustain him and hold him and making sure that he's not hurt, he feels more confident to jump and to grow. So that's what we're going to see today as we continue to work through simply Jesus we are going to see how 
the power of the kingdom is displayed over the brokenness in the world. The power of the kingdom is displayed over the brokenness uh, in the world. And what I'm going to seek to unfold, what I'm going to seek to prove to you guys today from the word of God is that Jesus has the power to restore the brokenness in the world. And our reaction should be faith over fear. Jesus has the power to restore the brokenness in this world. And our reaction should be faith over fear. And so we're going to have four points. And then we're going to see some reaction. We're going to see a reaction of faith and reactions of fear. And we're going to see when we react in faith, what tends to happen? How does the the Lord reply to us? And when we react in fear, we're going to see how the Lord deals with us. The first point is Jesus has the power over the brokenness in nature. Jesus has the power over the brokenness in nature. Jesus' power over evil forces. Jesus' power over evil forces. Jesus' power over sickness. Jesus' power over sickness. And Jesus' power over death. Jesus' power over death. So the first point, what we see in the narrative, um, Jesus um, goes uh, across the river and uh, across the lake. And as they're going across the lake, a, a great storm starts to take place. This is very common uh, to take place in that lake. And we also see Jesus' humanity. He was tired. He just finished, as we heard last week, doing miracles, caring for the people. And he was tired. He just fell asleep. So we see that Jesus is human. He does get tired. That in the middle of the storm, water started to seep in into the boat. And the disciples see what was taking place, and the disciples see what has, what has happened, even though that they are aware that Jesus has power to do many miracles. In that moment in time, they are in fear. They are trembling. And then they go to Jesus, figuring he, he can do something about this, about this, but I'm scared. And he goes, teacher, don't, don't you care that we are perishing? They, they, they are fishermen, and it is a great storm. And their reaction is, is fear. Their reaction is, well, maybe he doesn't have the power over the storm. Maybe he doesn't have the power over nature. And so we see Jesus, he got up. He said, be still, peace. And out of the sudden, calmness came into the midst. It wasn't this calmness as the water kept swinging and immediate calmness. So what we see here is taking place is that Jesus is demonstrating his power over creation. Right? When sin entered the world, the harmony that we're supposed to have with creation, the peace that we're supposed to have over creation, creation was supposed to be in harmony with us, and we're supposed to be using creation to be fruitful, to multiply, and to subdue the earth. It became distorted. Well, here Jesus comes and demonstrates how he has power over the brokenness of creation. That he has the power to restore everything to his rightful place. Everything. To restore it to his rightful place. And so, for us, we, we, we see in how Jesus is able to restore everything. That's point one. There's a lot more that can be said, but hear me out. We'll see more. The second part that we see how Jesus demonstrates his power, he's demonstrate his power over evil. Again, um, we see a, they, they, they cross, they get to, to the area of Gennesaret, and then they see a demon-possessed man. And the demon-possessed comes shouting and yelling, and he recognizes, oh, this is Jesus. What do you have to do with us? It's not the right time. Why are you here? It is not the right time. Even the demons recognize that there is a time that demons will be um, taken captive. They will be uh, put into the abyss. So he's wondering, what's going on here? This is not the right time. They are recognizing that Jesus has power over them. So they, they plead with Jesus. Please do not cast us into the abyss. Right? So there will be a final punishment for the wickedness and the evil that the demons are, are, are casting into our world. Amen. And so 
we see the first atom, right? Uh, Adam, instead of protecting his wife, instead of um, casting the evil away from the garden of evil, they chose to disobey the word of God. They chose um, to allow sin to enter the world. And because sin entered the world, now we see the power of evil. Now Satan is the ruler and the one who controls the world. But yet we see the second Adam. We see Jesus is able to demonstrate that he's able to bind the strong man. He's the one that's able to clear the house. Because we see here that they try to bind him, put him in chains. They try to do many things to control this demon. And yet they were not able to do so. And the moment that Jesus steps into the midst, they recognize they got to bow down. They know that he's Lord. They know that he has power over evil. And so they beg him. And so there's, there's evil in this world. And we know that Satan is the ruler and the one that uh, causes many things in our world. And yet, Jesus demonstrates his authority over evil. Jesus demonstrates that he is the strong man that's able to free us from our sin. That's able to free us from the dominion of darkness. Amen. Jesus is the one that is able to restore everything to his rightful place. So we have seen how Jesus has power over nature. And we have seen how Jesus has power over evil. Third point. Now we're going to see how Jesus has power over sickness. Again, we were supposed to be having healthy body. We were supposed to have bodies that were going to be helping us to accomplish God's purpose. Not working against us. Right? And here we see a woman who has a discharge for 12 years. She has gone to many physicians, and instead of them helping her to get better, they make her feel worse. And this woman, she hears of Jesus. She hears of him. And she thinks, if I touch him, I will be free. I will be free. I will be made clean. She was not just sick. She was impure. She was not able to be among the people. She was not able to be in the in crowd. She was cast out. She was not able to be part of the worshiper. She was not able to be part of the people because she was unclean. For 12 years, she was unclean. And yet, she believed upon what she had heard. And she seeks to act. She acts in accordance to what she has heard. And so our body was supposed to be a vehicle to help us to bring flourish into this world. Our body was supposed to help us to, to work in harmony with nature. But we see that sickness entered the world. And we all experience sickness. We all experience brokenness. We all experience some kind of uh, troubles in our life. And here we see Jesus stepping into her sickness. And he brings healing into her life. You know, sin has a catastrophic power over us. But yet Jesus is continuing to demonstrate that a new kingdom has inaugurated, a new Lord has come, the Lord of all, and he is the one that is able to make everything new. And we see Jesus demonstrating that over and over. So now we see he has power over nature, power over evil, power over sickness. And lastly, power over death. I mean, if there was any greater enemy that we, we face, it's death. And we know that when God told Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree, that the moment that they, they eat from the fruit, uh, they will surely die. And so we don't see immediate death happen. It wasn't instantaneous. They didn't poof. They didn't disappear. What we first encounter is, is, is separation from God, right? Death, that spiritual separation from God. We were supposed to be in connection with God. We were supposed to be in harmony, working together, worshiping him, enjoying him forever. That's what it was supposed to happen. That's what Eden was supposed to be all about. Everything working in perfect harmony 
us worshiping God and making things new, making things better, expanding. But because sin entered the world, now there is no longer harmony with creation. Evil is always confronting us. And sickness is always knocking on a door to the point that it can lead to death. And so we see the ruler, he, he hears of Jesus. He hears of him. And he believes. So he asks, hey, my, my daughter is sick. Will you please lay your hand so she can be made well? And we know that Jesus gets distracted. Not really, because it was an appointed time. He knew that this woman was going to come to him. And so while he's caring for the woman, the servants of the rulers come, hey, don't bother the teacher anymore. She's dead. So we see they are thinking that, well, he has power over sickness, but death, I mean, death, I mean, that's, that's, that's the end. But Jesus responds to the rulers, just believe. I got this. So he takes his inner circle. They go into the house. Why all this commotion? Why all the wailing? Why all the screaming? What, what's going on? She's not dead. She's sleeping. And so Jesus takes, pulls his hands on her, and she's risen from the dead. Amen. You know, death entered the world through Adam, but through Jesus we have life. The brokenness in our nature entered the world through Adam, but in Jesus there's peace and calm and harmony. Evil entered this world through Adam, but in Jesus evil is bound. And they're going to be cast down. And death entered the world. But in Jesus, we are resurrected and we are alive in him. So we see that Jesus has power. The kingdom has come. A new kingdom has begun. And we see that Jesus has power over the things that scares us most. The hurricanes are not fun. Earthquakes, none of those things are fun. Dealing with evil and demons and different things like those things are not fun. Experiencing sickness and the decay of our body, it is not fun. And experiencing death, death looming around us, seeing others dying, those things are not fun. And they were not meant to be part of this world. Right? So let us not live our life, well, that's just part of life. No, that is not supposed to be how this world is supposed to be. None of those things is right. None of that is normal. Sickness, death, brokenness in this world, evil, none of that is normal. So we should not settle. Well, let's just be okay with that. No. We should do, seek to do everything in our power, right, to, to, to live in accordance to what God designed for us to be. So we have seen that, that Jesus has the power over the brokenness in the world. And now we're going to see why, why we should respond in faith and not in fear to the reactions that we see. We're going to see the reaction of the disciples. We're going to see the reaction um, of the people. And we're going to see the reaction of his hometown. What we see first here is the disciples. Don't you care that we are perishing? And what fears things to do in our lives is to bring about forgetfulness. I mean, the disciples knew what Jesus has done. They have seen his power. They have seen him do many miracles. And yet, their reaction is it's, it's forgetfulness. And don't you care? We're going to die. And Jesus, hey, rebukes them. So instead of us reacting in fear when we confront storms in our life, which we do, we confront storms in life day by day. Let us remember who Jesus is and bow our knees and pray to him, make our requests known to him. And we will see how we will bring peace into our life. I'm not saying that the storms of life are going to be gone, but our perspective, the way that we view the situation, and how we react to the situation is going to be different than panic and forgetfulness. So instead of reacting in fear, let us react in faith by bowing our knees to our Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing that we see is the reaction of the people. Man, it seemed like they were okay to leave 
with a demon-possessed man, 2,000 of them. They were okay with that. So Jesus come, free this guy, made this guy clean, made this guy good. He said, uh-uh, uh, Jesus, we, we don't want nothing to do with you. Get out. Get out. It makes absolutely no sense to me that they see a wonderful miracle take place. Now their life are not going to be disturbed, disturbed anymore. But they, they, they rather choose darkness over light. They rather stay in the evil. They rather stay in their sin instead of turning to Jesus. And so, again, another reaction of fear. And a reaction of fear towards Jesus is an inappropriate response. But the only reason that is an appropriate response is when we react in repentance and faith towards him. Because he's the one that can cast us out. He's the only one that can free us. But their reaction of of fear caused them to reject the Messiah, causes them to push him away. And they chose to remain in the darkness instead to go to the light of Jesus. And we, we can do that in our life also. We can see Jesus doing many, many things in our own life, believing in him, trusting in him. And yet when a difficult situation comes into our life that, that we do not like, we say, you know what? Away with you, Jesus. Right? We, we have a, a new fad of, of uh, deconversion taking place. You know, I was having a conversation with my wife talking about, you know, when, when people talk about deconversion, they grew up in the church, and I'm like, can they honestly tell me that they are willing, right, to forget about all the wonderful experience that they had in the church from their youth and everything. And the moment that they had one bad situation, something bad, they go and forget everything wonderful that the Lord Jesus has done for them the families and friends and the neighbors and the great connections that they have had in their life. For this is one thing, as we are perfect, as we are not fallen. So instead of, yes, this was not a good experience, but I'm going to run to him. I'm going to cling to him. I'm going to trust in him. They say, nah, I'm going to completely deconvert. I'm going to completely step away from him. And it's not that the life is going to be any better. It's not. Because the word is ruthless. And I'm thankful that the Lord saved me. And I remember when I came to faith, and I didn't didn't want nothing to do with the church. I used to claim that I was a Christian, but I'm like, I don't need to be part of the church. But the moment that the Holy Spirit came upon my life, Man, everything that I have wanted to do from that point forward was to be part of the church, to serve his people. Because they seen it just like me. All of us are hypocrites. All of us are dealing with uncleanness. But we all come together at the, at the foot of Jesus because we know we need cleansing. Yeah. I'd rather be with my people who are honest about their spiritual condition rather than being out there where people are just pretending to be. And in the moment that you do something wrong, you are canceled. The moment that you don't follow their trend, the moment that you don't bow down to what they want you to believe, you're going to be cast out. But here in the church, that's not the case. We do fall far short, but we offer grace to one another. Right? We, we, we encourage one another. We rebuke one another when we are wrong, but we forgive one another. That's the family that I want to be part of, and that's the family that I want to continue to serve. And so these people, they chose to, no, we're going to stay in our darkness. We're going to reject Jesus, forget about the wonderful thing that he has done for this man. So they reject him. The third thing that we see is his own hometown. We see that now Jesus goes back into his hometown. You would think, they have heard of him, you would think, man, our hero is coming back. He's coming. He's finally going to be serving us. He's finally going to be doing great things for us. He's going to, you think that he was going to have a hero's welcome. You know, when you win a championship, you know, you go, you compete, you have a parade. People are welcoming you. Awesome. But that's not the case. 
They start, they recognize that he does miracles. They have recognized that he has done many great things. But they get, they get caught on true statement. Is he's the son of Mary, the son of Joseph, the, the carpenter. There's no way that this is the guy. He's a regular Joe. Why, why should we believe in him? Why should we trust in him? And because their own unbelief, Jesus was not able to do. He did some miracles, but he did not do many things for them. And what can happen in our life is our familiarity with Jesus can, can cause us to, to see how wonderful he is. We should never settle with what we know about Jesus. It is true. He was the son of a carpenter. But our own life, we should never settle for what we know about Jesus. We should continue to press on to know him more. This is eternal life, that they might know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ who you have sent. That's how we're going to spend the rest of our life, knowing Jesus, knowing the Father, communing with him. Right now, this is eternal life. It's not a talking about a future event. If you are coming faith in Christ Jesus, eternal life has begun. Eternal life is about knowing him, serving him, and loving him. But they, they chose to reject eternal life. They chose to reject Jesus. And instead, they gave him to unbelief. So that's, that's the reaction that, that we see from the people, even though they've seen great things taking place, great miracles, great display of power, the inauguration of the kingdom of God, where everything's going to be made new, they choose the latter. They choose to react in fear. But we also see wonderful reaction of faith. We also see wonderful reaction of faith. The first that we see having a wonderful reaction of faith is the demon-possessed man. After Jesus cleansing, take the demons away from you, his reaction, can I follow you? I want to be one of yours. I want to be your disciple. I want to serve you. Because he's thankful. He recognized something great has been done in his life. So he wants to follow. But Jesus does not allow him to follow. But he said, go and proclaim and we still see Jesus showing pity to the people, the people that rejected him. He was from that town. So Jesus sends the first missionary. Even though these people rejected him, even though they did not want nothing with Jesus, Jesus still sent someone to proclaim the gospel in the Decapolis area. And later we're going to see that Jesus returned and many are already waiting for him. So we see that Jesus' fame is, is spreading, but also we see that someone was sent and he proclaimed. So we see a wonderful reaction of faith. He believes in Jesus. Because we are seeing instance where Jesus does miracle, and, and people still, okay, cool. I got my physical need met, but forget about my spiritual need. This man recognizes, hey, my physical need has been met. I have been cleansed from these demons. But I need something greater than that. I need a spiritual restoration. So he said, I want to follow you. So he goes. He said, no, go and proclaim. The second act of faith that we see is from the ruler. The ruler heard. He didn't see what Jesus has done. He heard. And upon what he heard, he believed. And upon what he uh, believed, he asked. So he asked. Hey, lay your hands on my daughter. If you lay your hands on my daughter, she will be made well. So we see a wonderful reaction of her. So he just heard, so he asked. She died, but Jesus tells them, believe. Even a greater miracle. And so Jesus brings her to life. So they chose, he's choosing faith over fear. Faith over belief. Choose to believe Jesus and what he have heard. The third reaction that we see is from the women. The women has gone through many physicians, to many individuals, to many people to try to make her well. Her desire was to be well. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. She hears of Jesus. And upon hearing about what Jesus has done, she acts. 
She says, if I touch his garment, not him, if I touch his garment, I will be made well. She see, when she's acting in faith, she's acting in belief, so she touches his garment, and she's made well. And then Jesus turns, who, who has touched me? And she recognizes that, oh, man, I'm in trouble. I did something wrong here. I'm in trouble. And, and her reaction is of fear. But the fear here that we see is not a fear that causes us to run away, but it's a fear that draws her near to her Lord, near to the one that has cleansed her from her sickness. So she draws near to him. And not only does Jesus say, hey, your, your faith has, has, has made you clean, but he also calls her daughter. She probably has not heard that in a while. So to be called daughter, to be brought in. No longer do you have to walk in the shadows. No longer do you have to be in the fringes. No longer you got to be hidden. Now you are part of my kindred. Now you're part of me. So we see three wonderful reactions of faith. They, not, they didn't just came because they, they heard, so they acted. And they believed. So now we have seen that Jesus has the power over the brokenness in this world. He does. Over nature, over evil, over sickness, and over death. And we, we can react two ways. We can react in, in belief, in trusting, in following him, or we can react in fear. But when we react in fear, all that does is push us away. It makes us forgetful. It shows that we are more focused and more in love with the darkness rather than him. It shows that we want to continue our own way that has not brought any kind of deliverance instead of trying the new way. And he has demonstrated that he can free us from our sins. And so how, how can we grow in faith? How can we grow in faith? Well, we grow in faith like the demon, like the ex-demon possessed man, because he's no longer possessed. He's free. We can do it by following him, following Jesus. Because we, we have heard of what he has done, and we have seen what he has done in our life. We see how many people in our own circle went from death to life. We see how many people went from darkness to him. We are seeing in our own life, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we were born again and we remain new. But now we got to continue to follow. We got to continue to follow because as we keep our eyes on Jesus, our faith grows. As we keep our eyes on him, we grow stronger. We will go through many difficulties. We will go through many trials. And we know that the trials are designed to help us to trust in him more. We know that trials are designed to make us weak, meaning trusting my own strength and my capabilities. They are designed for us to, to turn to him. So that's why, we will, that's why we must continue to follow. And not only follow, but proclaim. Tell others about what Jesus has done in your own life. Whether in your kids, in your marriage, in your workplace, all of those things are God's blessing in your life. Help. You know, I, as I was yeah, married, and, and one of my biggest fears, how, you know, I, I'm going to become a father. The way I understood fatherhood to be is that, all right, uh, here's your, your money, Go to school, do your homework, and that's it. You know, my mom was not present. Um, she was sick. So all my dad did was just, I was, by the age of 10, I was pretty much independent. Like, how to take my own bus and, and go in there. And then if I got in trouble, yell at me and discipline me. That, that's, out of, that's all I understood about fatherhood. And that's what I thought it was going to be the best way to be a father. But the Lord put me in a community of believers. 
And I started learning from all the fathers what it means to be a father. And I started reading in scripture what it means to be a father. And I started learning from our greatest father, the Lord, our God, what it means to be that. And so because of that, I have learned to, to, to know what it means to be a father. So there's been a restoration taking place. But now I can pass that down to others. I can share with my friends. With the next generation, hey, here's what it means. And this is very common in, 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 you know, in, in third world countries. Very common. Fathers, and we still see here, fathers are very accent. All you do is just give money, and then whenever you get in trouble, but they have been, Jesus has not just cleansed from my sin, but now he has shown me what it means to be a father. He has shown me what it means to be a husband. And so we tell of those things, right? We tell of how he has cleansed for our sin, but we tell of how he's restoring us to what things were supposed to be. The second thing that, that we see in how can we grow in our faith is asking in faith from what we have heard. He's asking in faith based upon what we have heard. What good it is for us to, to hear about Jesus and not go to him with our request. What good it is. It doesn't do anything for us. So we got to ask. We got to go into his presence and make our request known to him. Let him know our struggles, our difficulties, our failures. Let him know where are the areas that we are falling short. And asking us to grow. Asking us to, to do better. This is what Jairus demonstrates. He asked, lay your hands upon my daughter and she will be made clean. So we're out to follow his example. Ask. He will give it, it will be given to you. The third thing is we got to act. We have to act. Yeah. Right? We see Abraham. He's called to go. And Abraham goes. If you are familiar with the Pilgrim's Progress, Christian is the protagonist of the book, and he has a huge um, burden on his shoulder. And he feels that the necessity that he needs to be set free, and he makes, he meets evangelists. Evangelist tells him, hey, go away from the seed of destruction. Go away from the brokenness in this world. Go away from the sickness. Go away from death and going towards the, the gate, towards the celestial city. When you go there, that, that, that weight in your shoulder is going to be taken away from you. So he just hears of, oh, there's a place that this can be taken away from me. So he goes. And as he goes in his journey, he meets pliable and so know the guys. And they fall into, they, they get into good conversation. He gets distracted, doesn't pay attention. So they fall into the pool of the spawn. And they start to sink. But he's so convinced that he needs to press forward. He's so convinced that he needs to go. And he tells Pliable about the wonderful place that he's going to go. And Pliable, yes, he's excited, I'm going to go. But the moment that he encounters something difficult, he's like, nah, man, I'm out. He doesn't even turn back to see how he can help Christian. But Christian continues to step forward and help comes and, and pulls him out. Did you see the stairs? Right? The point is, that when we are having difficulties in our life, when we're having struggle, the main point was here for Christian to, to be safe, to how he can be free from his sin. But we carry burdens in our shoulder. We call, carry weight in our life. So what good is that I'm free from my sin? I've been adopted into my father's house. I'm part of the church. I'm part of his kingdom. And yet, I don't act in none of those things. When Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke. What good it is that he gives us so much good news and so much good example, and yet we don't go to him. We out to go. We out to act based upon what we have heard. But we can give to ourselves to the opposite. We can give ourselves to fear. And fear, all fear produces is panic. That's what it produces. That's what we see from the disciples. They panic. 
rather than realize, man, Jesus is in the boat. We're going to be fine. Even if we die, we're good. We're good. Even if we die, we're good. He's in the boat. Why am I worried? He's here, right? But they failed. They forgot. It can cause us to reject him, like the people. And it can lead into unbelief and in growing our life. So we grow in our faith by following and proclaiming. We grow in our faith by, uh, by asking what we have heard, meaning from his scripture, from his word. And we grow in our faith when we act based upon what he has done. But we got, regardless of coming to faith in Jesus, regardless of knowing this truth, regardless of reading his word daily and being familiar with what he has done in our life, in the life of others, the miracles that he has done, we will go through storms in our life. We face evil in our life. We have, we, we have symbolic, we, we have demons, you know, we, we, we deal with things. We experience sickness, and we, we experience death, and, and all of those things will cause us to panic. They will. They happen. All of those things will cause us to act in, in unbelief, and all of those things will act, cause us to reject his help. Not saying reject him in a sense of, I don't want to follow you, Jesus, but... It's going to cause us to act in ways that are not, that are logical to our mindset, because that's what fear does, but they are unlogical when we come to faith in Christ Jesus. Yet, the thing is, Jesus does not reject us. Jesus does not go, oh, well, you panic, I'm done with you. Jesus does not go, oh, you didn't believe in me? I'm done with you. Jesus does not go, well, you acted in unbelief. I, I, I don't want nothing to do with you. In all of those situations, in all of the storms that we throw, experience in our life, the demons that we deal with, that instead of presenting it to him, he still comforts us. He still comes to us. He still aids us. He still... Help us. When the disciples were panicking, he said, don't you guys know I got power to bring you guys to life? So you know what? We're just going to die, and then I'm going to show you that I got power. No, he, he goes, he calms his storm, and he rebukes them. Hey, you little faith. He rebukes them, right? We, we, we need that. We need to be reminded of that. You know, when the, the, the people reject him, I already mentioned him, mentioned that Jesus still sent somebody to proclaim the truth to them. He still left somebody there. When Jairus was asking for him to, to lay his hands, he didn't say, oh, she's dead, so I, I can't do anything about that, guys. No, he, he still goes. He tells Jairus to believe. And it's the same thing that Jesus does with us. In those moments in which we are facing our demons, we are in the storm, when we experience sickness, when we have lost a loved one, the Lord is there. This is when we got to preach the gospel to ourselves. This is when we got to remind ourselves, yes, I'm going through troubles in my life, but Jesus has the power to calm the storm. Yes, I'm experiencing some internal turmoil in my own life, but Jesus is able to cast out the evil forces. I'm experiencing sickness in my life, but Jesus is able to heal. And I'm in the brain of death, I'm seeing all the loved ones, but Jesus is the author of life. Jesus does not give us without any answer. He provides us the answer. And that's how we preach the gospels to ourselves. Reminding ourselves that this is not the end. That a new heaven and a new earth is going to come. That all evil, brokenness, and sickness is going to pass away. And that we will be with him. Finally, when we are in harmony with creation, evil continue out in harmony with our own new bodies. I'm excited about my new body. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm excited. I mean, I know I'm young. I know I am. But I hurt my back, <laughs> lifted. <laughs> and there's moments that I have not done nothing wrong. 
and my back starts to hurt. And I'm like, I didn't lift it. I didn't do anything. But I know that one day, this is, I'm not, my back is going to be gone. It's going to be good. Perfect. And then they no longer, the, the fear of death, everything's going to be gone. That's what Jesus has brought us into. That's what we, are, we have to remind ourselves to. That's the gracious Lord that we serve. Yes, we may not experience liberty right now in this world. That, that's a fact. But liberty will come when he returns or he finally calls us home. And for you who have not, this is for you who have believed in Jesus, who have trusted in him. And for you who have not trusted and believed in Jesus, you, know, you might be in the middle of the storm. You might be facing demons. You might be experiencing sickness and, or your shit. Fear of what is after this, what, what comes after this. And I've, I've already shared with you, I've demonstrated to you that Jesus has the power to break all of this. And he has demonstrated in our own life. If you ask a person that's trusted and believing in Jesus, hey, what have Jesus has done for you? I'll tell you that they will tell you more. So I'm inviting you to come to a place in which there's no longer going to be storm, but you're going to experience peace. I'm inviting you to a place that you're not going to experience any more evil. I'm inviting you to a place where sickness is going to be gone. And I'm inviting you to a place that's going to be the end of death, and we're going to be in eternal life. Are you willing to sacrifice eternity for just this little bit of life? 80, maybe? Are you willing to give that up? To, to follow your sins? To follow the desires of this world that are at best? Okay. I'm inviting you to come and trust in Jesus Christ. If this is you, David Maureen are right here. They would love to pray for you with you. But what it means to come in faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This is who Jesus is. He has the power over everything. He has the power over everything. Jesus has the power to restore the brokenness in this world. And our reaction should be of faith over fear. That should be our reaction. But even in those moments in our, that our reaction is not of, of faith, it's okay. For Jesus said, come to me, ask, and he will give. 